guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Family Framing Podcast. I created this podcast because I was a working uh, board certified behavior analyst that wanted to see more change for parents who were struggling to obtain the help that they needed, whether that was insurance unwilling to pay for parent training or lack of time. And so I created this podcast. I created my Instagram and I, I coach and I help parents to really be able to focus on how they can receive better results for their child who is diagnosed with autism. And so today I wanted to talk about the tricks that the professionals use to stop dangerous behavior in its tracks. As I get started, there are three different things that I wanted to talk about. And the first thing that is most important to to start with when you're looking at a really dangerous behavior or a behavior that you no longer want to see anymore is you need to look at what happened directly before the behavior started. Okay, In the field, this is what we call the antecedent or the thing that happened right before. And usually, you know, when you're looking at a dangerous behavior, maybe it was uh, they were told that they couldn't have something or that they couldn't do something. Uh, no, we can't go to Disneyland over the summer. Or we, you know, uh, maybe some plans fell through. You know, okay, we can't go to the aquarium today or whatever it, whatever it might be. Maybe it was receiving... Uh, instructions to do something that they, something that they didn't want to do, you know. Okay, well, you know, put your socks on, or let's wake up and get ready to go to school. You know, different things. Okay, so so whatever happened to you know right before the problem behavior started, and this could be as simple as like maybe you have a situation where you have you have a child who gets easily stressed out or easily upset over having to like change routines and so once the routine is a little bit changed or a little bit different or someone different is there it's they they must escape that situation they have to get away from that situation. So sometimes these antecedents can be a little difficult to find. If you're finding yourself having trouble finding an antecedent, finding out why, you know, what's happening right before the problem behavior starts, uh, that's something that, that I love to help families with. Go ahead and follow the podcast notes to my link tree where you can sign up to have uh, a consultation with me where, you know, and, and I often will have parents like submit videos to me of, hey, like I, I happen to catch, you know, this tantrum or this other dangerous behavior or this behavior that we'd like to reduce. And, and through being able to watch that video, I can tell you, okay, this is the antecedent. And then I list the other two things that we're going to talk about today. So if that's something that you're interested in, please uh, reach out to me and we can schedule a consult for that. Uh, the second thing is uh, make sure that you're mindful of the behaviors that were a result of that trigger. So we're going to be really, really analytical here. We're going to be like anything that you could observe. So I don't want to hear, you know, like when you're doing this, it's really important to stay away from like emotional. Well, well, they, you know, 
you know, they we're no longer friends and they hate me. And like, you know, they, they just act like they hate me. That's not what I, what I'm looking for here is, you know, their dangerous behavior is hitting with an open hand, punching walls, uh, hitting their siblings, screaming, yelling, swearing, uh, rolling around on the floor and kicking their legs, trying to kick other people, uh, whatever, whatever that might be or all of the above. Um, so we, we stay really, really, we, we don't get emotional. I have a lot of parents that are like, well, they just, they just can't stand me as, as soon as this happens and a tantrum starts, they just, they just can't stand me. And, and you get so lost in the emotions that you can't actually figure out what's going on. You can't move past that. So, uh, if that's something that you feel like you you really struggle with, that you're so emotionally wound up and, and your child being upset upsets you so much that you can't move past that, that's also something that I love to coach on. Uh, there's very, very simple methods to be able to work your brain around those situations so that you're able to work past those things with your child. You're able to help your child be able to handle these distressing situations uh, without so much problem and be able to reduce all those problem behaviors, but also the emotional stress and the emotional toll that that takes on you as a parent where, and unfortunately, you're just not going to be able to protect your children from being upset sometimes. You're not going to be able to protect them from things not going the way that they're planning or the way that they feel like they need it to go. So sometimes there's some emotional resilience there that parents have to develop and they have to be willing to like let their child be a little bit distressed in order for their child to be able to make that progress. One of the sayings that, that I use at work is in order for any learning to occur, you have to be a little bit uncomfortable. And I have a lot of parents that it is their least favorite thing, letting their child be a little bit uncomfortable so that they can learn. And not a whole lot of discomfort is necessary. I, I like to make learning as fun and as, as interactive and as least problem behavior provoking as possible. I think that it makes it easier for the child. I think it makes it easier for the parent. But some level of discomfort is going to be required for them to be able to problem solve and be able to figure out new behaviors that are going to work better than the old ones. So keeping keeping that in mind of, you know, we want to maintain that uh, we are just listing things that we observed, things that we heard, um, etc. The third thing is, and this is probably the most important, you want to look at what happened directly after the problem behavior. And what you want to keep in mind is the immediacy of the consequence is what gives it power. So I'll say that again because it's super important. The immediacy of the consequence or what happens right after the behavior is what gives it the most power. Okay. So let me give you, let me give an example of this. So we all have this, you know, situation when we're younger and we see the pretty, stove that's lit up all red because it's it's really hot and we reach our hand up there to touch it and the immediacy of that feeling that burn on our finger is enough to teach us to not do that ever again right so that immediacy that pain that immediately transpires is exactly the teacher that is required in order for that to never happen again another thing to keep in mind with this is 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 whatever is happening directly after is Sometimes you think that you're calming the person down. Sometimes you think that you're, you know, stopping the problem behavior or punishing the problem behavior so it doesn't come back around again. 
but that might always that might not always be the case and you know that you're not punishing a behavior because the behavior will continue to happen and it doesn't ever get better so that you know that there's somewhere in there and it's most likely something that's happening right after the behavior starts that is continuing the behavior to happen and i have i have parents that will like well you know i I will sit him down and I will chastise him and I will say we can't do these things and I will have a lecture given to him and it turns out that that particular individual really really loves like attention is one of their main functions of behavior attention is why they do a lot of the things that they do so sitting down to listen to a one-on-one -on -one lecture about how things they, they don't care uh, good attention, bad attention. So just because it's punishing to the parent and the parent wouldn't want a lecture on why you shouldn't do certain things doesn't mean that it's necessarily punishing to the child, okay? So the only way that you can know if something is punishing is if the behavior starts to go away. If it stops happening, then you know. So that's why this is a little nuanced sometimes and why some, why most parents need a little bit of help to see things this way because if you or working with a behavior where where the function is to receive attention and that child gets attention by acting out however they're acting, that problem behavior will never go away. Or if the child is acting out to gain access to candy and then they are given candy or they are given some other kind of sweet or cake or something, that problem behavior is probably going to persist because it yields what they want, right? It's really, really important to keep in mind that if between between the the antecedent, so let me let me kind of put this together for you how we use this between the antecedent and being mindful of what exactly is happening, and then the consequence. It's easy for behavior analysts like myself to put together a really, really strong hypothesis on why problem behavior is happening. So that might look like, um, let me give you an example. I recently did an observation at a school where a client of mine frequently has problem behavior. And there were other things going on at the school this day and so they were really you know and I always my heart goes out to like people who are working in schools they work so so hard and they're so understaffed and they're so like overworked and it's a really really chaotic and really really stressful situation sometimes and so this was definitely the case this day and I don't blame the personnel at all things were just happening how they were happening that day and everybody was trying to do their best but there were some tactical mistakes that were being made and I was able to form a really, really hypothesis that the problem behavior that day was related to being able to receive attention. Let me bring you, bring you down what happened, what I saw happening repeatedly. So my client was wanting to play with a certain item during their class time and for whatever reason they weren't allowed to play with that item. And at the same time, there happened to be another child who was needing a lot of help outside of the classroom. And so a lot of the teachers were really, really busy and they weren't, they were so occupied with this problem behavior that my client who was asking nicely for attention to be able to like ask permission to play with this item in their classroom was being ignored because it wasn't a problem yet. And so my client was, Miss so-and-so, Miss so-and-so, 
repeatedly, like like six times it happened. And it so like the behavior, there's there's the behavior exactly like like they're they're requesting attention nicely and appropriately. And the consequence of that was there was no attention given at all. The teachers did not give any attention. They did not look over at him. They did not uh, respond verbally to him. They did not um, answer any of his questions. They did not give him access to the item that he was requesting. And so what we what I ended up seeing was uh, behavior started to escalate and they started to change. So now we can go back into our, our antecedents. So what happened directly before the before the behavior started was that he was being ignored, right? Nobody was responding to him. So um, then he began to whine. Then he began to scream. Um, and then at that point, somebody came over to talk with him one-on-one -on -one about how he can't scream and what it was that he wanted and... Uh, they, they began to uh, work with him to be able to like help de-escalate him. And so the consequence was that he got attention, he was able to ask for what he wanted, and then he ultimately got what he wanted because cause it's not a problem that he got what he wanted. He could have access to it the whole time. He just knew that he needed to ask permission so that they could get it for him. And so the process doing that, these personnel essentially rewarded him yelling and screaming at them to get their attention. And, and obviously all of this could have been avoided had other things been going on or had somebody been able to be paying a little bit closer attention to him in the classroom and been able to talk with him while he was still calm. Uh, that would have been obviously the optimal situation. But when you look at what's happening before the behavior, what's happening during the behavior, and you're being really mindful about, about all of that, and then you're looking at what's happening directly after, uh, you can kind of see what, what the overall function is. So at that particular moment, he was desiring an item, but he was also tantruming to get attention. And so both of those things were true. Had he been able to gain access to the Legos, he probably would have just like stood up and gone over and just like gotten the Legos on his own. And it wouldn't have been a problem. But because he needed somebody's attention and he needed permission to be able to go get those, it was uh, a dual function. So you had both of those things going on at the same time. So this is one of those things where like parents can like easily, it's easy to not be mindful about these things, uh, but it's also easy to like make a protocol and be able to be mindful of like, hey, you know what, when he's asking me nicely, because you know what, that doesn't happen very often, I am going to reward that like crazy so it doesn't have to get to the escalation part. And then, you know, like we can, you know, you can totally create your protocols to reward the behavior that you want to reward and take the behavior that you don't want to have happening and just remove it out of the equation and stop stop rewarding that. Essentially like these these teachers were doing to my client who was repeatedly asking for attention. So I hope that that made sense. If this is something that you find yourself struggling with, you're just, if you ever sit there and you are like, I have no idea why this behavior keeps happening. It doesn't matter how much I talk to them. It doesn't matter how much I tell them you know, X, Y, Z, this behavior keeps happening over and over and over again. Like, I just don't understand why they continually choose to do this behavior. Uh, chances are the function of the behavior isn't what you think it is. Even if they're telling you, well, I, you know, I just want to have you leave me alone or whatever, it, whatever it is that they might be saying, that might not be the function of behavior that's actually transpiring. And so if you do leave them alone or if you are doing the things that they're asking you for, you may inadvertently be reinforcing or promoting that, that problem behavior happening in the future.
So this is a this is a really, really interesting topic for me. This is one of the first things that I will do with a client. I will sit down and I will really look at what is going on now because I have so much practice with this. Usually within within one observation, I can get a really good idea about like what all of their problem behavior is. You typically uh, with children, you're looking at them gaining access to items or activities is a big one. And then them escaping demands is another big one. So those are, those are the two really, really common functions of behavior that I typically see with children. Um, there are, um, some other ones and I can totally go over those in a, in a future podcast. Or if you, if you feel like your child doesn't fit into one of those areas with, uh, certain behaviors that they have, go ahead and, and schedule a consult with me. And I can go go through that with you and I can help you create a protocol that works for you, that works for your child to make sure that that problem behavior goes away. And then and then we can also create a protocol that helps you uh, find a replacement behavior that will work better in their environment, uh, such as being able to gain attention nicely uh, and safely without needing to start screaming or yelling. Um, I think that that does it for this podcast, guys. I hope that you guys have... A wonderful day. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.